2: Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: This is Kelly Henderson, and you are listening to the Velvet's Edge podcast. Last week on the podcast, I talked to Whitney Bischoff from OVA Egg Freezing, and we talked about women's fertility and the egg freezing process in general. What we didn't talk about was the financial aspect of this process, and I've gotten a ton of questions from you guys about the cost before, during, and after egg freezing. I call financial journalist for the Wall Street Journal, Julia Carpenter, who has written some really great pieces addressing this topic. We talked through all of the costs you will be looking at if you do decide to freeze your eggs and also the loopholes that Julia has found for cutting costs. She also told me as a 28-year-old why she and her friends are already starting the Fertility Conversation and what kind of saving they are doing to cover all their options. Here's our conversation. Okay, so you obviously cover personal finances for the Wall Street Journal, which I'm sure has evolved a lot around this coronavirus pandemic lately, right? Totally. Yeah, it's pretty much all we're writing about right yeah, now. I can imagine. It's it seems like it's changing every day too, so I'm sure there's a lot of updates to give. But I initially found you because of an article you wrote For the journal about the economics of freezing your eggs and uh, like we were talking about before I've gone through the process of freezing my eggs and I've talked a lot on this podcast about the medical aspect and just kind of what your body goes through but what I haven't really addressed is the cost and that's a huge part of this whole process
4: yeah yeah I think this piece was so important to me for that exact reason it's a piece that I actually have been pitching for a
0: couple Years
4: and that I wanted to do uh, as soon as I started at the journal. So I talked with my editor about it right away. I had actually pitched it in my job interview because this is something that I spent so much time talking about with my friends and with my family, but there didn't seem to be any answers out there about how to prepare financially for this. Yeah. There were a lot, of, yeah, so much discussion, and, and you obviously know this from your personal experience, but so much discussion about the kind of medical preparedness and the personal preparedness, but very little about the financial preparedness. And to me, those three things, both in my life and then also in the lives of my friends who are considering this, those three things had to all align mm-hmm. in order to get a good experience. And so I really wanted to explore that and to dive a bit deeper into that and to think about this from kind of a a personal finance angle but also a like individual wallet angle.
3: Well and also like we were talking about before, you're you just turned twenty nine, so you're a lot younger than I am. And the fact that you guys are already talking about this was so fascinating to me and exciting. So what has it what has that looked like amongst your friend group? Yeah, yeah. So I think I think I definitely run with a
4: group of probably like type A, Tracy Flick overachievers. (laughs) Part of it, you know, our, two of my best friends, we always joke that our our uh, conversations always revolve around goal setting, whether it be, you know, what are your summer goals? Like, are you going to get really into journaling? Are you going to perform this personal project? Are you going to, like, make some headway on this? We have, like, a whole New Year's party specifically <laughs> around each other on a world. It's, like, nerdy, but it's totally... Uh, who I am and I think who who I tend to gravitate to yeah but also I'm a queer woman and I'm in a relationship with another woman I have a girlfriend of six years so it's something that I've talked about a lot because it's kind of the realities of how I would start a family you know it's not going to be and I address this in the piece of it but as so many of my heterosexual friends you know there's there's this question in their mind of like well, maybe I'll meet somebody or maybe I'll be ready at this kind of future date and I'll have a baby right. uh, this way or that way. And for me, it's something that I have to think about kind of on the front end. You know, I'm not going to have, I'm not going to conceive a baby in the way that my mom conceived me. I'm not going to conceive a baby in the way that many of my friends will conceive theirs. I have to think about freezing my eggs. I have to think about adoption and fostering and kind of all these other avenues that, that require some planning on the front end. So, as kind of clinical as that conceals, sometimes I think that it's it's just often my natural inclination as well as like the direction of my life, just as a queer woman, right? Um, but it- so, you know, I know so many people who they are juggling all of these different saving savings goals already, whether it be paying down their debt or saving for a house. And for many of the women I know, especially unpartnered women or, or women who, you know, have always wanted to start their families, but you know, maybe haven't found the right way to do it or haven't found the right person to, to partner with and do it with, they're already thinking about this because they're making that negotiation in their mind. You know, they're thinking does this money I have that I would put into my savings account, does this money I have go to a house? Does it go to a down payment? Does it go to eliminating my student debt? Does it go to freezing my eggs? Does it, and, and especially with freezing your eggs, as, as you know, you know, the timing is kind of everything. So I think for a lot of women I speak with, that's the most urgent of all these goals because they think, well, I don't have to own a house right now. But I do have to think about my body and I have to think about when I'm going to want to be a mom and when I'm going to want
3: to to do this. Absolutely. And that's something that I, I wish it would have been on my radar a lot earlier. And like you mentioned, you know, the buying the yeah. house, the, if you have student debt, paying that off. Or I think as a heterosexual woman, unfortunately, a lot of women are like, well, I'll just wait till I get married and we'll figure this out. Wow. And like a lot of your financial goals are tied to that, especially, I mean, I'm from the South, so a lot of us are taught at a really young age that you just don't really think about that stuff until you find the guy you're going to settle down with, you know? So I think it's honestly, I think it's a great thing that these conversations are starting to happen so much earlier.
4: Totally. Totally. And I'm actually, I uh, grew up in Georgia. I grew up in Savannah. Yeah. And that was something that I think definitely, you know, from a cultural perspective, wasn't talked about as much for me. Um, And, and I really identify with what you said about, so much of so much of my life, I was thinking, okay, well, that's all post marriage. Exactly, that's all post doing this—that's that other part of my life. And I think for a lot of women my age, we're coming, kind of coming up on thirty, coming up on these huge milestones, and thinking, okay, well, that hasn't happened. Whether I chose not for it to happen, or you know, it's just not happened. So, like, what do I do now? How do I
3: prepare for that? Right. So, what are the conversations amongst your friend group as far as? like the actual saving for this i mean is it something that you start to prioritize and start to think about like maybe i need to start putting this much away um or i need to start a separate savings account for this or how are these conversations going
4: right right well something i found out in the piece that was super illuminating to me but also made complete sense given the conversations i've had with other women is that the vast majority of women are paying for this with their personal savings yes so i think we should Kind on of conversation about how this gonna benefit and that more companies are making it affordable. And I'm lucky enough to work at a company that that uh, does offer some money for this. But it's still a huge cost that a lot of women are relying on their personal savings for. So if you're thinking about something that's going to cost thousands of dollars and some of the data I found for my piece estimates that women will spend around $15,000 freezing their ads in total, you know, it's kind of a huge life-changing sum of money, mm-hmm. that's something that i now. So I've spoken with women who've already started setting aside some money that by fit for this. I've spoken with women who've already kind of talked with their family or other people about, you know, maybe the money that the parents would offer for a down payment goes to this instead. Or, you know, I spoke with one company who they're actually, they're offering what they call grandbaby loans, where potential grandparents are actually, and other family members as well, not just grandparents, are actually helping fund um, fertility costs so that then you're working with your family, you know, your extended family or or your parents directly in order to fund you starting your family this way.
3: Yeah, I actually loved some of the tips you gave. So I do want to get into that later. But you mentioned the cost. And from my experience, um, the first round, it it is around $15,000 for me, the first round did not work. And so I had to rebuy some of the shots that I had already used from the last round. So it was another $2,000. So this starts to get very expensive the more it happens. And, you know, like I said earlier, I'm 37. And so for me, it was probably always going to be more than one round. And that's kind of the deal with this that's so interesting because someone maybe your age would be physically... In a better place to do this process because our eggs—you have more eggs, your eggs are better quality—but financially, like a 28-year-old usually is not set up to spend this much of a lump sum.
4: Completely no. I mean, what you said, I think hits on kind of the most important point, and that's the thing I kept talking about with my editor, but also with people as I was reporting, is that this this money is so elusive for so many younger women Mm -hmm. and that's so damning for their chances because you're you're more successful the younger you are you know you're you're able to freeze more eggs you're able to like kind of time it out more more um with with more ideas for your career and with like kind of more advantages for how you want to structure your life but it's it's money that until you reach a certain step in your career or a certain step in your life, just doesn't exist for many exactly. women. not the time to save it, or you're not a part of the bracket that requires it yet. Um, so, I mean, the one thing that was really illuminating for me, though, in the piece is I know you said you're 37. That's the age in one of the studies that I looked at that said that uh, was kind of the game changer for so many women. That women who had frozen their eggs before turning 27 at, or sorry, 37, at 37, that was then the biggest uh, differential when it came to their chances of getting pregnant. But women at 37 who hadn't frozen their eggs were really at a, at a much greater disadvantage when it came to getting pregnant. So it's kind of like there's all these junctures along the way that I think for a lot of women is just completely opaque and like super mysterious. And then until you start thinking about it, it's often that you look up and you're like, okay, wait, crap. Now I have two years as opposed to 10 years.
3: Exactly. I mean, I think I I talk about this a lot and I talked about this on another podcast with a nurse, my nurse from my egg freezing process. But my gynecologist, when I turned 35 was like, okay, what are your plans for pregnancy? Mm -hmm. Like, are you in a relationship? What are you looking at here? Because immediately when you turn 35, that is the conversation that starts. It's like, I mean, they call it a geriatric pregnancy after that, which is just absurd because, you know, I'm feeling like great about life at that age. And so to think that my body is not going to be able to physically do these things is crazy, but it is true. And I think that that is the reality that women do need to start facing and and really looking at, which is why this conversation is so important to me. But luckily we have all these options now.
4: Yeah, yeah. And I think especially for for me, as I was recording this story, I was realizing more and more that all of the ads in my Instagram feed were for fertility companies or, <laughs> you know, all of the podcast ads I was getting. It's like there's way more people in this space than ever before.
3: Absolutely. I think
4: that can simultaneously be, like, really helpful that you have all these different options. But for a lot of women, too, it's really intimidating because mm-hmm. they well, you know, which is... Which is the first step that I should be taking? You know, should I do the fertility test? Like, should I order this at-home uh, test? Should I go to the doctor? Should I go to one of these clinics? Should I buy a membership for one of these clinics? It can get really overwhelming really quickly.
3: Absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about that because, um, mm-hmm. you know, you do mention also in your article that some insurances do cover this. Like you mentioned earlier, too, your company has a policy in place that they help financially with this, Right. Yes, yeah, so we, we have as part of our benefits package,
4: we have a partnership with this company called Progeny. I think it's Um, It's pretty common for a lot of major employers like mine to offer some sort of assistance or at least it's getting more and more common. The way Progeny works is that they bundle fertility treatments into what they call smart cycles. So you can activate different smart cycles for different fertility treatments. So some women I work with have accessed that for IVF and some men I have worked with have accessed that for IVF for example. Egg freezing is something I was really curious about so I started a conversation with them about that to kind of understand what a smart cycle wouldn't pale in terms of uh, uh, egg freezing or you know how that applies but so the, the kind of the issue for me was that for each of those cycles my employer would cover 80% of that cost and so like I said that could be you know sperm freezing or like uh, embryo transfer like all these different all these different treatments um, but then that still leaves me with my 20% coinsurance cost which is in many cases still thousands of dollars right. or you know points Maybe the first round doesn't work for me. And so I need to do another round. So it's it's still very helpful. I'm definitely grateful that my company offers that. But it's definitely not kind of a carte blanche to then, you know, go headfirst into this world and like take all the treatments that they offer.
3: Right. I guess every little bit counts. But yes, it's still something you have to plan for. If you know anything about me, you know I am a massive creature of comfort. It is one of my top priorities in life to make my surroundings comfortable at all times. So when I found Cozy Earth, I quickly scooped up all of the luxurious bedding and loungewear that I could. It felt very on brand for me, but then I went on a trip with a girlfriend not too long ago where she could not stop commenting on how cute and comfy my pajamas were, which then made me realize they may also be my new favorite travel companion as well. Guys, I am not kidding when I say you will experience unmatched softness and smoothness with all of Cozy Earth's products. The temperature-regulating bamboo joggers and pullover crew add comfort and a touch of style to any travel ensemble, and their bedding comes in the most adorable totes, making it a super easy gift to give anyone. Discover your next destination for ultimate comfort at Cozy Earth. Visit CozyEarth.com and use our code VELVETSEDGE at the checkout for an exclusive 35% off and let them know we sent you when you're at the checkout. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 feral hogs. If you
1: knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus, where every week I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who were they? Together, we probably won't be able to properly log out, but we can take a walk down scary internet memory lane and see one day a little more clearly. Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. Let's talk about too,
3: if you mentioned, you know, getting the fertility test and I noticed in your article, there was a lot of different options of the at home fertility tests that I had, I was not aware of even. I always tell people, I think that information, like knowledge is power for sure in this situation. So know what you're dealing with because you might be fine. Like you might have a completely different situation than, you know, I had or anyone else my age might have, but if you don't know, you can't act. So tell me a little bit about the things you learned about the at-home stuff.
4: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think the thing that has been a game changer for so many women is that those fertility tests once cost hundreds of dollars and they were really inaccessible, and now they're so much more accessible. You can take them at many clinics, like Kind Body is one of the clinics that I went and visited and they offer one for just 300 bucks. Um, there's at-home kits from places like Modern Fertility, which I'm sure a lot of your listeners have seen because they have a ton of Instagram ads and are, and are really visible in that space. That's less than $200. Um, but I'm kind of a two minds of the test, I think, because after researching this piece, I was really impressed at how affordable so many of those tests were. And it definitely seemed like an easy first step and and I think you know I mentioned my my friends that I do my goal setting with you know those like other nerdy friends that was actually one of my goals for the beginning of the year I was writing this piece and I said okay I need to just get fertility tested you know I keep talking about it I'm writing this piece it's on my mind all the time I need to just do it and they were like yeah do it you know we support you yeah you know great cool and then as I was talking with more and more experts for this piece I I don't know. I feel like it depends on who you are and what stage of the process you're in. You know, I spoke with one expert. She said, I think that you're going to take the test and you're going to spend that money on the test. And then you're going to come away with two options. You're either going to say, oh, wow, you know, my egg reserve is really low. I should freeze my eggs ASAP. Or you're going to come away and say, oh, wow, I am doing really great. And my egg reserve is really high. So I should freeze my eyes ASAP. You know, it's kind of pointing you in that same direction regardless. Um, and I know I also spoke with a ton of experts and, and this is kind of up for debate, I think, in, in that community, but I spoke with experts who said, you know, some of those tests are flawed, like some of them can't give you results that are as, as true to your actual Reserve as it actually is. So I think I am of two minds about it. Part of me thinks it's a really great step for women who are curious about this. It's a really low lift way, uh, like I said, very affordable way for them to learn more about this world and to take it a bit more seriously if this is something they're already considering. But for somebody like me, who's kind of at the very beginning of the process, I think I walked away thinking, you know what, like I taking that test is going to kind of confirm what that expert said, you know, that I'm going to do it or I'm going to do it. So until I'm ready to do it, until I'm kind of at that juncture, it it doesn't make sense for me to do right now.
3: That makes a lot of sense, actually. And you're at an age where you have that luxury, too. You know, like you can wait a couple years until you're actually ready to go through the process.
4: Totally. I'm really fortunate in that regard that I, you know, I'm, I'm not working on as tight of a time frame, I think, as a lot of other women are.
3: Yeah. You also mentioned, um, this was something I had never even heard of, a company called Carrot, which is a debit card for women that helps pay for fertility procedures. Is that true? I know. I know. Carrot is a huge player in the space. I've been having conversations with them, I think,
4: since 2017 or so. Okay. I, Article I wrote, and I've just watched them get bigger and bigger. The debit card is their latest uh, innovation, and what it does is, for the for the companies they work with, Carrot actually sends you a debit card with uh, the benefit preloaded on it. So before, what a lot of people, men and women um, and non-binary folks who were using Carrot. They would go through the procedure and then get reimbursed on the back end. But now that they have the
3: debit card, you don't even have to do that. It's kind of
0: crazy. Wow. Okay. And then, yeah.
3: you—that I mean, yeah, I didn't see, I didn't know about any of these things. I was just suffering through the cost myself, which, you know, maybe that's yeah. fine, but it would have been, it would have been a really good thing to educate myself on. Also, you mentioned the grandbaby plan. So that's through future family. Is that the company? Yes. Yeah, yeah. There, there's so many different players in this space.
4: Like we mentioned, carrot, modern fertility, progeny, like there's so many of them. Future family is the one that offers the grandbaby plan. And that's the plan I mentioned earlier where family members, and, you know, even potential grandparents, like your own parents, they can partner with you to form some kind of loan or like financial assistance plan. So then they actually are helping you cover the cost.
3: That's great. Okay. So tell me where you stand with your decision. I mean, I know, like you said, you're not fully ready to make this commitment, but as a 20 you're twenty 29, I keep calling you 28 because you were when you wrote the article. <laughs> um, but you know, something you talked about was the cost of a maybe. And like, I, I want to get into that, but I want to know where your head is right now in this process. Yeah.
4: yeah I mean, turning 29 was definitely kind of a, a- I feel like it's almost even more than 30 was like a milestone for me because 30 for me is kind of, and I think for many women too, it's kind of this demarcation where things get really serious after yes. 30. and You know this from your personal experience, like in the course of reporting this piece, I looked at so many scary charts. And so many, uh, like, really intimidating graphics about, you know, when when makes sense and, like, when your pregnancy is most likely to be successful. So I think the more I kind of dove into this, though, it made me think, like, all right, I really need to back up and think about how I want to start my family and, like, how I, I want to do this and, like, what my girlfriend thinks about this because she's my partner, too. She's my life partner. And so I need to talk to her as well because me freezing my eggs going through this process like spending this money that's something that's going to affect her too you know sure. and that's something that's a decision for her as well and like who we would want to carry if we made a big decision like the more and more I got into this world the more I realized like this is not a flippant decision no. this is not saying yeah and you obviously know that too from having actually gone through with it like I think I was realizing like not even our the medical stakes so high and the process is so intense, but like the financial stakes are also really high, you know, like $15,000 is a huge life altering sum of money. I said that at the beginning, but it's so real. And so thinking about what that means for me, how I should prepare for it, you know, how I could actually set my life up to make that happen. That requires way more thinking. And so I kind of got to this, this space where I thought, all right, it's not as dire right now as it will be in like three years. So I need to take this time to really mull on my options. Like I need to take this time to think, do I want to do this? If so, how do I prepare for it? Do I want to instead like think way more seriously about adoption? If so, how do I prepare for that? When do I even want to be a mom? Like there are all these questions that I felt like I was weirdly thinking of egg freezing as a way to postpone all of those questions and all of those answers. And it's not; it's like an avenue
3: toward all of those things. <laughs> so, yeah, I was kind of. I'm ridiculous. laughing because I'll- you are speaking exactly what happened to me. It is so true, yeah. so true. Yeah,
4: I think I think so many women too. And you know, I was speaking with so many of my friends who have been pregnant or who you know have gone through this. I was talking with them, and I was realizing more and more like we just need to be talking about this so much more because yeah. I just realized like how many women around me had confronted this or had confronted these questions and, you know, going into this blind, it was just never going to be my style because as I told you, I'm like a Tracy flip. <laughs> but, you know, I, I really felt so empowered kind of researching this because it was, you know, really important for me to write a, a comprehensive article and a good article that could help other people. But it was also really important for me, I think, to confront a lot of these questions and to think way more seriously about who I am and what I want
3: from it. Well, in those questions, I mean, you know, that is the hard part because in this day and age, a lot of us are really chasing our careers first and then we want to think about family. And luckily we have these options to where those things can all be possible, but it's like you said, you really have to ask yourself the hard questions. Like how do I want to have a family? What if I am in a relationship. What if I'm not in a relationship? What does that look like? Or, you know, for your situation, what does that look like? And is adoption a a more feasible option?
4: Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, even thinking about that more, I realized that my company also has financial assistance for adoption. Wow. Like my also has financial assistance for surrogacy. There's a whole world that, you know, not all employers, and and maybe now in this really scary time, fewer employers, but a lot of employers are providing assistance for these things. And and it's up to so many women I know to actually ask those questions. And it can feel really intimidating. It can feel really overwhelming. Like I was overwhelmed at so many different points throughout this process. But then I walked away from it feeling way less intimidated because I felt like I at least had kind of the information I needed to map out what I wanted
3: to do. Exactly. And you're doing it at a time where you don't have to make a decision. Like, you know, when I was doing it, I was like, I need to do this now. Like I have to make this decision now, which is a whole nother added pressure and something that you kind of don't want to be going through. You don't want any added pressure if you're putting your body through the hormones or any sort of any sort of physical thing like that. Absolutely, absolutely. You talked to um, a doctor, Dr. Steiner, and she said it is it is really hard in your 20s to know where you're going to be, right? So how yeah. do you, how what would you say to other 20-year-olds that might be listening? Like, is it just to start educating yourself?
4: Totally, totally. And
3: Dr. Steiner was, she was so, um, so illuminating
4: to talk to me because when she said that, it kind of unlocked this. Thing for me because she works you know she she's such an expert in such a preeminent um fertility specialist and in talking with her I realized like okay if she if she's saying that this is individual then it's not just me you know right. if she's saying this decision is so individualized this decision is so personal it's so different for so many women like it doesn't just mean that I'm you know I'm going through this alone or that I'm like the only person who's asking these questions it means that this is something that she's seeing again and again from other people who want like really specific answers or you know advice tailored to their lives and the way that we can do that is to do it ourselves you know to actually read all of the material out there to like kind of survey the options to think really critically about them and to, and to think too about kind of where all of those different pieces of your life will align, you know, like taking some of it, some of the pressure off one part of your life doesn't take the pressure off the rest of your life and kind of deciding which one you're going to juggle at which time. I think is like the way bigger question here.
3: Absolutely. And I think like this is in, 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 my mind, the best conversation for all women to be having amongst your friend groups, with your sisters, with your mom, even just because we have so many more options now and nobody seems to be talking about it for some reason still. And I'm just like, go educate yourself. Like you even educated me with all of these companies that are helping financially. So it's just like, let's just start talking about it at least and get all the information out there so that we can all make informed, empowered decisions.
4: Yeah, yeah, I think that there's there's this one problem where the space feels really, really, really crowded right now. So if you even just Google, you know, egg freezing, or if you Google, like, one of these companies' names, you get just bombarded with all of this info. Yeah. And what I really wanted to try and do was, like, stitch through some of that, because I feel like... You are bombarded with all of this info and so you back away from it or you start wading into it and then you realize, wait, actually, like, this is way more than I thought. Like, yes, there's all of these sources out there. Yes, there's all of these companies out there, but like, it's hard to kind of decide what works for you or what feels right for you. And that's where I think you're so right in recommending that people talk to other women and talk to other families you know I had a really dear friend um and you know he's actually he's one of my former bosses but he and his family are our neighbors and and they're such good friends of our family and I I am so grateful to him um for reaching out to me after I published this piece and all he said was you know anytime you want to talk to me and Brandy about this stuff you can and I thought you know like I really appreciate that you know this is a straight man with two kids And he still said, Hey, like anytime you want to talk about this, we can talk about it. You know, it's not off limits in our friendship. And I really appreciated that.
3: Totally. The more I've talked about it, the more conversation has just come naturally to me from someone saying, I've been through that too. You know, you mentioned you're not alone. None of us are. It's just for some reason, a lot of people don't talk about it. I didn't even realize how many friends I had that had gone through the egg freezing process because they just hadn't talked about it. So The more we put it out there, I think there's nothing bad that can come from that. I'm going to link your article in the description of this podcast. So you guys go check out Julia's Mm -hmm. article with all of this information. It has all the companies we talked about and even more just information about what this process looks like, the costs and all of that. Where else can people find you, Julia?
4: Um, I'm on pretty much all social media. Yes. Say that one Um, more time. I
3: think you cut out.
4: So, yeah, I'm on pretty much all social media at at Julia C. Carpenter. This is my middle initial. And, yeah, I write for the journal. And you can find me just at uh, WSJ.com and searching my name.
3: Actually, when I was researching this conversation, I went deep on your Twitter. <laughs> It's very entertaining. So you guys go check out Julia's Twitter. She's very funny. And you're always linking funny articles and other memes you see, especially right now. I mean, coronavirus memes are, I feel like people are thriving. Yes, yes. What's getting me through? Yeah, exactly. Same for me. Um, You guys go check out Julia. Thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate this conversation and just all you sharing all your information with us. Thank you. I really appreciate you talking about this topic and I'm, I'm so appreciative of your time and of the conversation. Thank you guys for listening. This is Kelly Henderson and you've been listening to the Velvet's Edge podcast. I truly believe that every one of us has a little velvet and a little edge. So it's so important to remember that to be strong, you must be soft too. Thank you so much for sharing in those stories with me. You can follow Velvet's Edge on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, as well as velvetsedge.com. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join me every Wednesday for more conversations on lifestyle, beauty, and relationships. Thanks for listening.
0: A new season of Bridgerton is here.